Section 16 of The Great Events by Famous Historians, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Great Events by Famous Historians, Volume 3. Edited by Charles F. Horn, Rossiter Johnson, and John Root. The Great Jewish Revolt, Siege and Destruction of Jerusalem, A.D. 70, by Josephus, Part 2. And now, upon the finishing the Roman works, the workmen measured the distance there was from the wall, and this, by lead and a line which they threw to it from their banks, for they could not measure it any otherwise, because the Jews would shoot at them, if they came to measure it themselves. And when they found that the engines could reach the wall, they brought them thither. Then did Titus set his engines, at proper distances, so much nearer to the wall that the Jews might not be able to repel them, and gave orders they should go to work. And when, thereupon, a prodigious noise echoed round about from three places, and that, on a sudden, there was a great noise made by the citizens that were within the city, and no less a terror fell upon the seditious themselves. Whereupon both sorts, seeing the common danger they were in, contrived to make a like defence. So those of different factions cried out one to another that they acted entirely as in concert with their enemies, whereas they ought, however, notwithstanding God did not grant them a lasting concord in their present circumstances, to lay aside their enmities one against another, and to unite together against the Romans. Accordingly, Simon gave those that came from the temple leave, by proclamation, to go upon the wall. John also himself, though he could not believe Simon was in earnest, gave them the same leave. So on both sides they laid aside their hatred and their peculiar quarrels, and formed themselves into one body. They then ran round the walls, and, having a vast number of torches with them, threw them at the machines, and shot darts perpetually upon those that impelled those engines which battered the wall. Nay, the bolder sort leaped out by troops upon the hurdles that covered the machines, and pulled them to pieces, and fell upon those that belonged to them, and beat them, not so much by any skill they had as principally by the boldness of their attacks. However, Titus himself still sent assistance to those that were the hardest beset, and placed both horsemen and archers on the several sides of the engines, and thereby beat off those that brought the fire to them. He also thereby repelled those that shot stones or darts from the towers, and then set the engines to work in good earnest. Yet did not the wall yield to these blows, excepting where the battering ram of the fifteenth legion moved the corner of a tower, while the wall itself continued unhurt. For the wall was not presently in the same danger with the tower, which was extant far above it. Nor could the fall of that part of the tower easily break down any part of the wall itself together with it. And now the Jews intermitted their sallies for a while, but when they observed the Romans dispersed all abroad at their works, and in their several camps, for they thought the Jews had retired out of weariness and fear, they all at once made a sally at the tower Hippicus, through an obscure gate, 
and at the same time brought fire to burn the works and went boldly up to the romans and to their very fortifications themselves where at the cry they made those that were near them came presently to their assistance and those farther off came running after them and here the boldness of the jews was too hard for the good order of the romans and as they beat those whom they first fell upon so they pressed upon those that were now gotten together so this fight about the machines was very hot while the one side tried hard to set them on fire and the other side to prevent it on both sides there was a confused cry made and many of those in the forefront of the battle were slain however the jews were now too hard for the romans by the furious assaults they made like madmen and the fire caught hold of the works and both all those works and the engines themselves had been in danger of being burned had not many of those select soldiers that came from alexandria opposed themselves to prevent it and had they not behaved themselves with greater courage than they themselves supposed they could have done for they outdid those in this fight that had greater reputation than themselves this was the state of things till caesar took the stoutest of his horsemen and attacked the enemy while he himself slew twelve of those that were in the forefront of the jews which death of these men when the rest of the multitude saw they gave way and he pursued them and drove them all into the city and saved the works from the fire now it happened at this fight that a certain jew was taken alive who by titus's order was crucified before the wall to see whether the rest of them would be affrighted and abate of their obstinacy but after the jews were retired john who was commander of the idumeans and was talking to a certain soldier of his acquaintance before the wall was wounded by a dart shot at him by an arabian and died immediately leaving the greatest lamentation to the jews and sorrow to the seditious for he was a man of great eminence both for his actions and his conduct also now on the next night a surprising disturbance fell upon the romans for whereas titus had given orders for the erection of three towers of fifty cubits high that by setting men upon them at every bank he might from thence drive those away who were upon the wall it so happened that one of these towers fell down about midnight and as its fall made a very great noise fear fell upon the army and they supposing that the enemy was coming to attack them ran all to their arms whereupon a disturbance and a tumult arose among the legions and as nobody could tell what had happened they went on after a disconsolate manner and seeing no enemy appear they were afraid one of another and every one demanded of his neighbor the watchword with great earnestness as though the jews had invaded their camp and now were they like people under a panic fear until titus was informed of what had happened and gave orders that all should be acquainted with it and then though with some difficulty they got clear of the disturbance they had been under now these towers were very troublesome to the jews who otherwise opposed the romans very courageously 
for they shot at them out of their lighter engines from those towers as they did also by those that threw darts and the archers and those that flung stones for neither could the jews reach those that were over them by reason of their height and it was not practicable to take them nor to overturn them they were so heavy nor to set them on fire because they were covered with plates of iron so they retired out of the reach of the darts and did no longer endeavor to hinder the impression of their rams which by continually beating upon the wall did gradually prevail against it so that the wall already gave way to the nico for by that name did the jews themselves call the greatest of their engines because it conquered all things and now they were for a long while grown weary of fighting and of keeping guards and were retired to lodge in the night-time at a distance from the wall it was on other accounts also thought by them to be superfluous to guard the wall there being besides that two other fortifications still remaining and they being slothful and their counsels having been ill-concerted on all occasions so a great many grew lazy and retired then the romans mounted the breach where nico had made one and all the jews left the guarding that wall and retreated to the second wall so those that had gotten over that wall opened the gates and received all the army within it and thus did the romans get possession of this first wall on the fifteenth day of the siege which was the seventh day of the month artemisius Giar, when they demolished a great part of it as well as they did of the northern parts of the city which had been demolished also by cestius formerly and now titus pitched his camp within the city at that place which was called the camp of the assyrians having seized upon all that lay as far as cedron but took care to be out of the reach of the jews darts he then presently began his attacks upon which the jews divided themselves into several bodies and courageously defended that wall while john and his faction did it from the tower of antonia and from the northern cloister of the temple and fought the romans before the monuments of king alexander and simon's army also took for their share the spot of ground that was near john's monument and fortified it as far as to that gate where water was brought in to the tower hippicus however the jews made violent sallies and that frequently also and in bodies together out of the gates and there fought the romans and when they were pursued all together to the wall they were beaten in those fights as wanting the skill of the romans but when they fought them from the walls they were too hard for them the romans being encouraged by their power joined to their skill as were the jews by their boldness which was nourished by the fear they were in and that hardiness which is natural to our nation under calamities they were also encouraged still by the hope of deliverance as were the romans by their hopes of subduing them in a little time nor did either side grow weary but attacks and fightings upon the wall and perpetual sallies out in bodies were there all the day long nor were there any sort of warlike engagements that were not then put in use and the night itself had much ado to part them when they began to fight in the morning 
nay the night itself was passed without sleep on both sides and was more uneasy than the day to them while the one was afraid lest the wall should be taken and the other lest the jews should make sallies upon their camps both sides also lay in their armor during the night-time and thereby were ready at the first appearance of light to go to the battle now among the jews the ambition was who should undergo the first dangers and thereby gratify their commanders above all they had a great veneration and dread of simon and to that degree he was regarded by every one of those that were under him that at his command they were very ready to kill themselves with their own hands what made the romans so courageous was their usual custom of conquering and disuse of being defeated their constant wars and perpetual warlike exercises and the grandeur of their dominion and what was now their chief encouragement titus who was present everywhere with them all for it appeared a terrible thing to grow weary while caesar was there and fought bravely as well as they did was himself at once an eyewitness of such as behaved themselves valiantly and he was to reward them also it was besides esteemed an advantage at present to have any one's valour known by caesar on which account many of them appeared to have more alacrity than strength to answer it and now as the jews were about this time standing in array before the wall and that in a strong body and while both parties were throwing their darts at each other longinus one of the equestrian order leaped out of the army of the romans and leaped into the very midst of the army of the jews and as they dispersed themselves upon this attack he slew two of their men of the greatest courage one of them he struck in his mouth as he was coming to meet him the other was slain by him by that very dart which he drew out of the body of the other with which he ran this man through his side as he was running away from him and when he had done this he first of all ran out of the midst of his enemies to his own side so this man signalized himself for his valor and many there were who were ambitious of gaining the like reputation and now the jews were unconcerned at what they suffered themselves from the romans and were only solicitous about what mischief they could do them and death itself seemed a small matter to them if at the same time they could but kill any one of their enemies but titus took care to secure his own soldiers from harm as well as to have them overcome their enemies he also said that inconsiderate violence was madness and that this alone was the true courage that was joined with good conduct he therefore commanded his men to take care when they fought their enemies that they received no harm from them at the same time and thereby show themselves to be truly valiant men and now titus brought one of his engines to the middle tower of the north part of the wall in which a certain crafty jew whose name was castor lay in ambush with ten others like himself the rest being fled away by reason of the archers these men lay still for a while as in great fear under their breastplates but when the tower was shaken they arose and castor did then stretch out his hand as a petitioner and called for caesar and by his voice moved his compassion and begged of him to have mercy upon them and titus in the innocency of his heart 
believing him to be in earnest and hoping that the jews did now repent stopped the working of the battering-ram and forbade them to shoot at the petitioners and bid castor say what he had a mind to say to him he said that he would come down if he would give him his right hand for his security to which titus replied that he was well pleased with such his agreeable conduct and would be well pleased if all the jews would be of his mind and that he was ready to give the like security to the city now five of the ten dissembled with him and pretended to beg for mercy while the rest cried out aloud that they would never be slaves to the romans while it was in their power to die in a state of freedom now while these men were quarrelling for a long while the attack was delayed castor also sent to simon and told him that they might take some time for consultation about what was to be done because he would elude the power of the romans for a considerable time and at the same time that he sent thus to him he appeared openly to exhort those that were obstinate to accept of titus's hand for their security but they seemed very angry at it and brandished their naked swords upon the breastworks and struck themselves upon their breast and fell down as if they had been slain hereupon titus and those with him were amazed at the courage of the men and as they were not able to see exactly what was done they admired at their great fortitude and pitied their calamity during this interval a certain person shot a dart at castor and wounded him in his nose whereupon he presently pulled out the dart and showed it to titus and complained that this was unfair treatment so caesar reproved him that shot the dart and sent josephus who then stood by him to give his right hand to castor but josephus said that he would not go to him because these pretended petitioners meant nothing that was good he also restrained those friends of his who were zealous to go to him but still there was one aeneas a deserter who said he would go to him castor also called to them that somebody should come and receive the money which he had with him this made aeneas the more earnestly to run to him with his bosom open then did castor take up a great stone and threw it at him which missed him because he guarded himself against it but still it wounded another soldier that was coming to him when caesar understood that this was a delusion he perceived that mercy in war is a pernicious thing because such cunning tricks have less place under the exercise of greater severity so he caused the engine to work more strongly than before on account of his anger at the deceit put upon him but castor and his companions set the tower on fire when it began to give way and leaped through the flame into a hidden vault that was under it which made the romans further suppose that they were men of great courage as having cast themselves into the fire now caesar took this wall there on the fifth day after he had taken the first and when the jews had fled from him he entered into it with a thousand armed men and those of his choice troops and this at a place where were the merchants of wool the braziers and the market for cloth and where the narrow streets led obliquely to the wall wherefore if titus had either demolished a larger part of the wall immediately 
or had come in and according to the law of war had laid waste what was left his victory would not i suppose have been mixed with any loss to himself but now out of the hope he had that he should make the jews ashamed of their obstinacy by not being willing when he was able to afflict them more than he needed to do he did not widen the breach of the wall in order to make a safer retreat upon occasion for he did not think they would lay snares for him that did them such a kindness when therefore he came in he did not permit his soldiers to kill any of those they caught nor to set fire to their houses neither nay he gave leave to the seditious if they had a mind to fight without any harm to the people and promised to restore the people's effects to them for he was very desirous to preserve the city for his own sake and the temple for the sake of the city as to the people he had them of a long time ready to comply with his proposals but as to the fighting men this humanity of his seemed a mark of his weakness and they imagined that he made these proposals because he was not able to take the rest of the city they also threatened death to the people if they should any one of them say a word about a surrender they moreover cut the throats of such as talked of a peace and then attacked those romans that were come within the wall some of them they met in the narrow streets and some they fought against from their houses while they made a sudden sally out at the upper gates and assaulted such romans as were beyond the wall till those that guarded the wall were so affrighted that they leaped down from their towers and retired to their several camps upon which a great noise was made by the romans that were within because they were encompassed round on every side by their enemies as also by them that were without because they were in fear for those that were left in the city thus did the jews grow more numerous perpetually and had great advantages over the romans by their full knowledge of those narrow lanes and they wounded a great many of them and fell upon them and drove them out of the city now these romans were at present forced to make the best resistance they could for they were not able in great numbers to get out at the breach in the wall it was so narrow it is also probable that all those that were gotten within had been cut to pieces if titus had not sent them succors for he ordered the archers to stand at the upper ends of these narrow lanes and he stood himself where was the greatest multitude of his enemies and with his darts he put a stop to them as with him did domitius sabinus also a valiant man and one that in this battle appeared so to be thus did caesar continue to shoot darts at the jews continually and to hinder them from coming upon his men and this until all his soldiers had retreated out of the city and thus were the romans driven out after they had possessed themselves of the second wall whereupon the fighting men that were in the city were lifted up in their minds and were elevated upon this their good success and began to think that the romans would never venture to come into the city any more and that if they kept within it themselves they should not be any more conquered for god had blinded their minds for the transgressions they had been guilty of nor could they see how much greater forces the romans had than those that were now expelled no more than they could discern how a famine was creeping upon them for hitherto they had fed themselves out of the public miseries and drank the blood of the city but now 
poverty had for a long time seized upon the better part and a great many had died already for want of necessaries although the seditious indeed supposed the destruction of the people to be an easement to themselves for they desired that none others might be preserved but such as were against a peace with the romans and were resolved to live in opposition to them and they were pleased when the multitude of those of a contrary opinion were consumed as being then freed from a heavy burden and this was their disposition of mind with regard to those that were within the city while they covered themselves with their armor and prevented the romans when they were trying to get into the city again and made a wall of their own bodies over against that part of the wall that was cast down thus did they valiantly defend themselves for three days but on the fourth day they could not support themselves against the vehement assaults of titus but were compelled by force to fly whither they had fled before so he quietly possessed himself again of that wall and demolished it entirely and when he had put a garrison into the towers that were on the south parts of the city he contrived how he might assault the third wall a resolution was now taken by titus to relax the siege for a little while and to afford the seditious an interval for consideration and to see whether the demolishing of their second wall would not make them a little more compliant or whether they were not somewhat afraid of a famine because the spoils they had gotten by rapine would not be sufficient for them long so he made use of this relaxation in order to compass his own designs accordingly as the usual appointed time when he must distribute subsistence money to the soldiers was now come he gave orders that the commanders should put the army into battle array in the face of the enemy and then give every one of the soldiers his pay the romans spent four days in bringing this subsistence money to the several legions but on the fifth day when no signs of peace appeared to come from the jews titus divided his legions and began to raise banks both at the tower of antonia and at john's monument now his designs were to take the upper city at that monument and the temple at the tower of antonia for if the temple were not taken it would be dangerous to keep the city itself so at each of these parts he raised him banks each legion raising one as for those that wrought at john's monument the idumeans and those that were in arms with simon made sallies upon them and put some stop to them while john's party and the multitude of zealots with them did the like to those that were before the tower of antonia these jews were now too hard for the romans not only in direct fighting because they stood upon the higher ground but because they had now learned to use their own engines for their continual use of them one day after another did by degrees improve their skill about them for of one sort of engines for darts they had three hundred and forty for stones by the means of which they made it more tedious for the romans to raise their banks but then titus knowing that the city would be either saved or destroyed for himself did not only proceed earnestly in the siege but did not omit to have the jews exhorted to repentance so he mixed a good counsel with his works for the siege and being sensible that exhortations are frequently more effectual than arms he persuaded them to surrender the city now in a manner already taken 
and thereby to save themselves and sent josephus to speak to them in their own language for he imagined they might yield to the persuasion of a countryman of their own as josephus was speaking thus with a loud voice the seditious would neither yield to what he said nor did they deem it safe for them to alter their conduct but as for the people they had a great inclination to desert to the romans accordingly some of them sold what they had and even the most precious things that had been laid up as treasures by them for a very small matter and swallowed down pieces of gold that they might not be found out by the robbers and when they had escaped to the romans went to stool and had wherewithal to provide plentifully for themselves for titus let a great number of them go away into the country whither they pleased and the main reasons why they were so ready to desert were these that now they should be freed from those miseries which they had endured in that city and yet should not be in slavery to the romans however john and simon with their factions did more carefully watch these men's going out than they did the coming in of the romans and if any one did but afford the least shadow of suspicion of such an intention his throat was cut immediately but as for the richer sort it proved all one to them whether they stayed in the city or attempted to get out of it for they were equally destroyed in both cases for every such person was put to death under this pretense that they were going to desert but in reality that the robbers might get what they had the madness of the seditious did also increase together with their famine and both those miseries were every day inflamed more and more for there was no corn which anywhere appeared publicly but the robbers came running into and searched men's private houses and then if they found any they tormented them because they had denied they had any and if they found none they tormented them worse because they supposed they had more carefully concealed it the indication they made use of whether they had any or not was taken from the bodies of these miserable wretches which if they were in good case they supposed they were in no want at all of food but if they were wasted away they walked off without searching any further nor did they think it proper to kill such as these because they saw they would very soon die of themselves for want of food many there were indeed who sold what they had for one measure it was of wheat if they were of the richer sort but of barley if they were poorer when these had so done they shut themselves up in the inmost rooms of their houses and ate the corn they had gotten some did it without grinding it by reason of the extremity of the want they were in and others baked bread of it according as necessity and fear dictated to them a table was nowhere laid for a distinct meal but they snatched the bread out of the fire half-baked and ate it very hastily end of section sixteen recording by linda johnson